A pleasant good morning to everyone and welcome to another edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, Carlos Brown, joined by Charles Edmund and Coach Van Petaway. Here's what the guest menu looks like here on the Carlos Brown Show for June the 10th. Charles Edmund, of course, uh, will be joined by Jalen Woods, uh, Southern University uh, quarterback signee from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, will join us in hour number one. Uh, hour number two will be joined by former NFL cornerback and Southern University alum Maurice Hurst. Of course, Coach Van Petaway joins us right now, and um, we're scheduled to have Rashid Lyles, uh, defensive tackle who has uh, transferred into Southern University. He comes to Southern University via JUCO, and his last stop was Louisiana Tech. Good morning to everyone. Charles, Coach Petaway, good morning. Morning, good morning. Good morning. I, I understand, Carlos, you uh, caught a charter flight back from Miami last night after meeting <laughs> with Pat Riley and, and, and Spo. I, 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 I have a flight tracker app on my phone. I understand you were on the manifest. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> oh, you, you know what? Uh, I, I, I'm fine. And um, uh, that leads me into what's trending on the show, and then we'll kind of get right into it. Uh, FAMU baseball season comes to an end. Uh, last week, um, the game was uh, going on as we were leaving the air. Um, their season is finished. They lost 9-6 to six to UConn. But let me just say this. I'm uh, so proud of FAMU uh, baseball team coaches they represented themselves well they represented the southwestern athletic conference well and you know to lose to florida and come back in that game too um, they fought and that is all you can ask for i'm sure uh famu uh, supporters and alums are disappointed but hey wipe that disappointment away because they once again represented themselves very well, and, and that's all you can ask. So their season comes to an end, but of course, making it to the regional, and then winning the 2023 Swag Baseball Tournament Championship. I'd say you're very uh, outstanding season, and you should be proud of FAMU. The 2023 Black College Football Hall of Fame inductees will have a, a celebration tonight, and they started last night. We're going to get into some of those, Coach Pete Richardson, inducted into that 2023 class, a, a great honor uh, for when he first got to Southern University, they called him the professor because he looked like a professor, not so much as a football coach, but boy, he went on to have an outstanding, standing career. And last but not least, what's trending? Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals up 3-1 to one over the Miami Heat. Guys, let's kind of get right into it. Charles uh, asked, was I all right? Yes, I'm all right. Uh, <laughs> let me just say this. Uh, I'm a Heat fan forever. And they exceeded my expectations uh, coming into this playoffs. And what they have done is just has been remarkable. Now down three to one, it doesn't look good. The, the favorites, the Denver Nuggets have played well. And in the NBA, in my humble opinion, it comes down sometimes to just simply matchups. And Denver, uh, the matchup for Miami against Denver has not 
been good, but does that uh, put their season as far as uh, not a good season or underachieve, overachieve? Hey, they exceeded my expectations, and we'll see what happened Monday night. Denver, if they can take the, the game, they will be the 2023 NBA champions. Coach Petaway, tough, but it is what it is. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of times matchups make a game or make a series in this case. Uh, Denver has the size. They got the uh, – when you talk about length, talk about athleticism, they have that over Miami. But I, I'm like you. I'm proud of what Miami has accomplished this year. And I think at the end of the – when the season's over with, we're going to find out that um, Butler, Jimmy Butler's really hurt. And, and mm-hmm. I just think he's playing through it because – uh, he, he's a warrior, but but on the coaching side, when you don't shoot the basketball, you're not going to be able to win. And, you know, mm-hmm. in, in their wins, they shot 48% from the three. Uh, in their losses, they're only shooting 32% uh, from the three. And then in that game last night, when you got Strauss and, and Vincent going one for 10, two points between those two guys, the others. you don't have a chance. Yes. You don't have a chance. But but you got you got to give – Denver, their credit now, because number one, they're playing on both ends of the floor. They got a one-two combination that we have not seen since. For me now, this reminds me of John Stockton and and Carl um, Malone. Carl Malone, right? I mean, they were unstoppable, and that's what's what's happening now. Uh, Murray and Jokic, you cannot stop those two when they get into that high pick and roll because. They can do so many other things. Now, whereas Carl Malone always was going to dive to the basket, Jokic doesn't have to do that. He can step back. He can step back, receive the pass, take a shot, or facilitate for one of his teammates. But in the game last night, Gordon and the other players on the team, Bruce, That's uh, Bruce difference. Brown, Gordon had 27. Bruce Brown had 21. Uh, uh, Caldwell Pope had 16. And then you get your point guard, Murray. He only had 15 of points. But he had 12 assists and no turnovers. And see, when, when that happens, when you're not turning the basketball over and you're feeding your teammates, they shot 49% from the floor and they shot 50% from three point, 14 out of 28. And see, Miami was only eight out of 25 from the three-point line. So when you, when you shoot that poorly and you cannot stop your opponent, it's not going to end well for you. Yeah. And, and, and Charles... Coach Petaway talked about the others. And they whenever you also, when you look in this series, if one of the others has an outstanding game, Aaron Gordon, last night, Pope, and, and then Miami, others, didn't shoot well. The others, and I guess it's kind of funny that I'm saying Gordon <laughs> and Michael Porter are, are the others on their team, but when the others get it done, no matter if it's Denver's others or Miami others, they, they've been much success, has much success. Last night, Miami others, last two games, actually, they have not gotten it done. Yeah, I, I agree. If you had told me right now that through four games, it would be 3-1 Denver, yeah. I never would have believed it. I would have said 2-2. Yeah. You know, I, I predicted this would be a home series. Yep. Denver will win the first two. Miami will get the next two. It's two-two going back to, to to Denver. But Carlos, let me let, let me say this: There's in a series, 
there's always defining moments that swing the pendulum one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And last night was a defining moment in the whole series. The Joker picks up his fifth foul. Picks up his fifth foul. Miami is down 10 in the third quarter. He sits most of the fourth quarter. When he comes back in, Denver's, on, Denver's up nine. So with the Joker on the bench, you only are able to shave off one point out of that. The that, that to me was the series. Yep. You had an opportunity to, even if they cut it to four or three with the Joker on the bench, I think if you're Miami, you find a way to push through. But when you didn't do that, I thought that was the, the turning point in the series. To me, that was Miami's shot to get right back in. They didn't take advantage of it. Um, and look, the others the others for Denver played well. The others for Miami did not. Um, I don't – And but look, the series is not over. You know, I know everyone is just ready to hand Denver the championship Monday night. But the toughest game, Carlos, is a closeout game at home. You feel good about yourself. Your fans are going to be there with 18,000 in Denver's arena to watch the game. Uh-huh. The, the toughest game is the closeout game at home. I still think Miami's the tougher team. Denver was the tougher team last night, especially with all the adversity with, with Joker getting in foul trouble. And so I think Miami's going to show that grit and toughness. I do think Denver will probably win the game, but I think it's going to be really tough. I think Miami's going to bring everything to the table. But uh, the series really turned on the dime last night. If it's 2-2, we can, we can talk about this a little bit more. But Miami had a shot with the Joker in foul trouble, didn't take advantage of it. And then Jokic's three-point shooting to me. I mean, he hit a couple of big threes stepping into one. He had another three at the top of the circle. I mean, my, I mean, you, you play off of him. You just don't think he could do that. Not only did he do it once, he did it twice. And I thought those were huge plays, pendulum plays. Spo talked about it last night, the 50-50 ball. We don't talk about it a lot. Coach Petaway knows what that means. We say 50-50 ball, loose balls, deflections. You got to get your hands on those. If you don't, then you're probably not going to win either. And I thought Denver had the extra possessions, the loose balls, the 50-50. So you combine that, you combine with Jokic's key threes, they have more weapons, and then you had an opportunity. You couldn't cash in on an opportunity with the Joker on the bench with five fouls. I just think it just it spelled doom for Miami, losing two tough games at home. But Miami's won in Denver already. They can do it. The pressure's on Denver to close it out. And, and we'll see. I mean, I do think Denver will win the game because I think Miami mentally is probably, I wouldn't say out of it, but close to it. But I do think the Heat's going to bring all assets to bear to try to stay in the series. Let's just say this, in my opinion, Denver is the better team. You know, we, we can break it down from left to right, A to Z, the bottom line, Denver has gotten it done. So, I can live with that. I have no choice. Denver is has been the better team. And, um, you know, Monday night, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I agree. Miami will give it all it's, uh, it, it has. But Denver, so far, has been the better team. I pride myself on being a realist. <laughs> and that is as real as it can get. Now, Coach Petaway, you mentioned, and I heard, on the on one of the national shows, or uh, maybe it was on social media, but um, J- Jimmy Butler is going through something else. I heard. I think his dad's not doing too well, and, and he's not going to talk about that. 
and you know, not making an excuse, but to your point, I didn't realize that maybe he's not a hundred percent. Right. And, I, I don't. I just you can tell mm-hmm. the way he put that 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 ump that he's had all year, and in, mm-hmm. and in the, in the playoffs, it's not there. It's not there. So something's holding him back. Something has him occupied. Mm-hmm. That he's not being the person. He's not being Jimmy Buckets. He's not the guy that can give you 50 on a given night. He He's not there right now. So I, I don't know if it's physical. I think it's physical. I think <laughs> something has happened. And I think physically he's going through something. But he's such a warrior, he doesn't make excuses. No. And, and, he's, and he's playing through it. So I, I think – and you won't find out until the season's over with. Once the season's over with, then we will find out why he's not – why he has not been himself. Yeah. But 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 this matchup, this is a terrible matchup uh for Miami. And then personally, I think Monday, I think it's over with. I, mm. I don't think Denver's gonna allow them uh to, to come out of there with a win because you want to be able to celebrate with your own fans, with your own family, and what better way to do that than to win a game on your home court. And Close then plus, out. but they need to be, I think it's gonna energize them. Because Miami did win a game on their court. I think mm. they're going to be ready to play. Yeah, Monday could possibly be the closeout game. Denver up over the Miami Heat three games to one. Uh, the Black College Hall of Fame is introducing its 14th class uh, tonight in Atlanta. Of course, they started some of the festivities last night. But here, here's some of the uh, members of that class. Leslie uh, Leslie Frazier, Alcorn State University. Henry Killer Lawrence from FAMU. Albert Lewis, Grambling State. Jim Marcellus, Tennessee State University. Tyrone McGriff, FAMU. Uh, Elijah Pitts from Philander Smith College. Johnny Walton, Elizabeth City State University. And Coach Pete Richardson, Southern University and Winston-Salem State. Uh, congratulations to uh the class of 2023, man, uh, Les- Leslie Frazier, Alcorn State, guys um, coaching in the NFL. Of course, uh, Pete Richardson, uh, Southern University, legendary coach, uh, had, a, had a great run. But um, to be recognized by your peers is always a good thing, guys. Hey, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. A- absolutely. Um, you know, Leslie Frazier, of course, we, we, we know Braves fans know Leslie Frazier well back in the day. Um, so, I mean, congratulations to him. Of course, Pete Richardson, we all know Pete Richardson. You know, it, it's, it's just great to recognize history. You know, the pillars of HBCU football, uh, SWAC football, black college football. It's, I mean, every class is, is something special, and this was another one. Yeah, and, and you always look forward to him. And um, Coach Penaway, some – outstanding um, student athletes at the time and um, man once again to get recognized by your peers is a great honor right now oh, I think we may have lost uh, Coach Petaway. Um but the class of 2023 legendary coach Southern Pete Richardson uh, one of the members of that class. I'm kind of looking um, in the chat room. My JBN1 says, Jimmy is tired. The Heat rely much 
so much on him, and the other players have played over their heads. That is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you bet. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. Uh, no I don't problem. know what happened. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, anytime you can be recognized by your by your peers, uh, it's it's a it's a great thing, and uh, I, I'm I'm happy for everybody that that is in this class, and uh, we we look forward to having more people being recognized and and put in into the uh, college hall of fame, black college hall of fame. I, I would agree. Uh, let me read in the chat room. Of course, appreciate everyone watching. Jimmy is tired. The Heat relied too much on him, and the other players have played over their heads. We talk about we we were talking about the others, and um, in the playoffs for Miami, up until maybe two games ago, they have been you know very consistent. Gabe Vincent, you, you know he he had played well. Um, Curtis, am I saying it right? Kurt, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Martin, Caleb Martin, Caleb Martin from from Miami. Um, he's given them some good games, um, but you know you rely a lot, believe it or not, on, on on the others because Jimmy Butler. We know who he is, and, and Coach Petaway, to your point, um, he just he hadn't had a really a series like the previous series. So it, it could be could be something there, physical, could be just simply tired. You know, he, he has a lot on his shoulder, but not to make an excuse or make excuses, but uh, Miami, once again, exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Yep. And, I, think they, I think they surprised a lot of people this year, and they don't have anything to hang their heads on. They, I think they had a great season. No, it's not ending the way they want to. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think they got to give them credit for what they've already done, what they've already accomplished. But Carlos, I, I don't mm-hmm. know if you all are aware of this, but in college basketball, there's going to be some changes this fall. I think I did see something about it, but and, and but tell us about it. Well, on on the rules side, uh, it was approved yesterday that they're going back to look at the block charge call. That's going to mm-hmm. be officiated. That's going to be a, be a, uh, officiated different this year, uh, differently. Uh, before, if that secondary defender was there, uh, all they were saying is, as long as that guy, the offensive player, wasn't in the air, uh, hmm. that secondary defender could be there. But it's being changed now to where if they plant, you see, under the new rule, a defender will have to be in position to draw a charge. At the time an offensive player plants his foot to go airborne to a temple field goal. See, that wasn't the way that wasn't mm-hmm. the way it was adjudicated before. Uh if the defender arrives after an offensive player plants a foot to launch toward the basket, officials will be instructed to call a block when contact occurs between the two players. And then previously defenders had to be in a position to draw a charge before the offense. Offensive player went airborne. Now the block mm. charge has always been the most difficult call in in the game of basketball, anyway. And now they're trying to they're trying to uh, fix it so it make it easier on the officials. But to me, in real time, you're still not going to be able to see that the way you need to. They're going to have to go back and review that to really 
to really find out uh, what's what. But well, that block charge call has always been uh, tough on us as coaches and players. All right. Yeah. Then the other rule changes. Uh, another rule will allow uh, preloaded live video to be transmitted to the benches. In other words, the coaching staff will now be able to have live footage coming to their uh, to their bench. And that, that, that rule was experimental for the last two years. So I guess yeah. now they're going to go ahead and, uh, and, and uh, it. allow it to happen now. Okay, then the other things, officials will be able to review goaltending basket interference calls during the next media timeout to ensure the calls were accurate as long as the officials calls it on the floor. In other words, the call has to be made on the floor, and then on the next dead ball or media timeout, rather, they can go back and review it if it needs to be. Mm. All right. And then another thing for bench decorum, they're, they're allowing bench personnel who are not students will be allowed to serve as peacekeepers when an altercation occurs on the bench. I mean, occurs on the floor. So in other words, when something breaks out on the floor, now they're allowing everybody except students to leave the bench to help calm things down. And I, mm. I think that's a good one. Well, Coach, the only one I that has me um, going, hmm, is the first one about the blocking. Because, you know, that's that's always that's so a tough difficult. It's yeah, a it's, 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 it's difficult. And even when you're watching the NBA a lot of times, uh, that that blocking call, that, that's going to be tough. That's going to be right. tough. Uh, but the well, other here's ones? One, mm -hmm, here's, here's, one, here's one that I think is, is, is going to help. Now they're allowing a timeout to be granted when a player has possession of the ball, even though the player is air airborne. In other words, you can now, right, right, if you can catch the ball going out of bounds, you can, as long as you got possession, you can now call that timeout. Whereas mm -hmm. here lately, you couldn't do that. So, they, so they're putting that back in. So there are going to be a few, few changes that uh, – uh, That'll be made this coming season. Uh, the one of them is wearing on the uniforms now. Nah, I don't like this one now. Mm -hmm. Player will be allowed to wear numbers from zero to ninety-nine. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> and that, that, that to me, that's more of a football rule. Well, we don't need no dog, nobody wearing no dog on ninety-nine, man. All those players, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's even that's eighty, that. even eighty-eight, seventy-seven, yeah, sixty-seven, fifty. Oh, the forties. Uh, well, well let, me say, the, let me say this Carlos on the rule on that blocking rule on the review that's going to be interesting as far as how we stream games and of course we know in this conference if the game is not on television on HBCU Go or ESPN we have our own internal production mm -hmm. you're going to have to make sure you get the proper camera angles to review that because if not if, if the evidence isn't over uh, overwhelming to overturn the call, the ruling on the court stands. So that's that's got to get us on alert, us, all 12 of our schools in terms of how we produce our own in-house games, uh, to make sure you get the right camera angles. I mean, you watch the NBA Finals. They've got 30 cameras and 30 angles you can watch. High and, definition. And, and, and still, Charles, sometimes that, with all those angles, I still disagree with the call. <laughs> right. 
Right. I, I, I get that. I, th I just think that we have to do a little bit better in terms of getting those angles to make sure because a goal, a blocking call or whatever the case is going to, you know, couldn't determine a game. So that's, yeah. that's the one, um, that's the one I, I look at. Uh, the other one, as far as having an eye, I think what coach Petaway is talking about having video on the bench, mainly an iPad where a coach can have an iPad in hand and look at some stuff. That was kind of, a, I think that was experimented with at the HBCU all-star game. If I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken, they, they kind of experimented with that a little bit. So a lot of these rules that have been experimented with, um, you know, I don't one way or the other as far as the uniforms. Um, you know, I, I can go one way or the other on that. You see, you you see that at the next level. So I I don't have a problem with that. But I, I always look at the, com the the competitive aspect of it, the goal, the the blocking foul, and then being able to call a timeout when you're falling out of bounds or whatever the case may be to preserve the possession. That's an interesting one, and you know our SWAC officials have to be alert about that. But I, I, I think, you know, just try to make some different changes to try to make, to try to get it right. And it, I don't have a problem with it, but uh, it should be interesting to see how it's enforced, especially uh, once conference games roll around. And then Charles, one of the other things that, now this will hit home for you, that's on the horizon. They're going to continue to experiment with the timeout, the media timeout. Mm. Uh, in the second half, the first dead ball, uh, it's under 17 minutes. The 17 minutes, yeah. 11, 8, and 4. Now, now they're going to experiment with this again for this year to see if it's going to be implemented. Charles, I don't have a problem with that one, but the next one I do. They talk about widening the lane. I, 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 I'm against that. Let me tell you why. I think there'll be too many lines on the floor because uh, you're still going to have to keep the, the, the current lanes for women's basketball and also for high school. Yeah. So and so if you expand it for for the collegiate level, that's just gonna add another some more lines on the floor. And, and I just don't like that. Yeah. We know that you know, Carlos, the media timeouts was the, we actually had that at the NIT. I stand corrected. Right. IPad, um the iPad as well as the extra media timeouts. They experimented with that at the, in the NIT when Alcorn played North Texas, uh, North Texas. So they experimented with it last year. So obviously they, they saw some success in it. So now it's, it, it's a rule in place. But, yeah, it is a lot of timeouts. I had to get used to it, uh, yep. you know, the number of media timeouts. And so it's, uh, that's going to be interesting to see how, how, how that's going to be, uh, how that takes away the ebbs and flows of the game. Right. And, Charles, I, I, I used it this year. You know, I did the Alabama. I, I did the junior college tournament, and and they they have that format uh, yeah. because my first game, my first game, I I was lost. I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, but but uh, yeah, yeah. Junior colleges has been using it. Now they're gonna do it another year on an experimental basis to see if they want to implement. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna say this. Sometimes changes are good. Sometimes it's bad. I guess it'll be an adjustment for all involved from the production side, from the coaching side, and from the uh, players' uh, side. Um, but again, uh, I, I can live with all the changes. I just, just that first one you mentioned about the, you know <laughs> the blocking. Yeah. That is going to be interesting. And then also when you talk about uh, widening the lane. 
Um, I remember watching a basketball game, and, and I think it was the international rules, international competition, but they were playing on a United States regulated court, and you know, you had all the lines of what you're talking about, like three right. point, three point yep. line. You had one for the collegiate and international competition, so it can be confusing. I, you know, you see in the NBA sometimes when they have a they're they're moving the ball quickly to a three point shooter, and he'll look down, and then he say he notices that he's not behind right. the line, but then he 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 steps back quickly, and I mean quickly. I mean quickly. And yeah. to, to to shoot it, so uh, we'll 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 see, Coach. Uh, Got to take a timeout when we come back. Scheduled to join with uh, Jalen Woods, uh, three-star quarterback. For those who follow the star system, uh, he's out of the Atlanta, Georgia area. He's coming to Southern University and um, a tremendous talent on the field, albeit a freshman. We're gonna see what his goals, uh, what his goes on for the first year, and we'll just have a, a conversation with him. So we'll take a timeout. You're watching the Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. We shall return. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Brian Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. Them belly full, but we Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. So we've got a good thing going. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Tell them I'm out. 
Welcome back to this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Joined by our special guest, Jalen Woods, uh, three-star quarterback out of the Atlanta, Georgia area. Jalen, good afternoon to you. I didn't say morning, but good afternoon in Eastern Standard Time. Good afternoon. How y'all doing? Doing all right. Yeah. Well. Glad to hear. Glad to hear. Thank you, sir. Um, your high school career, um, I, I didn't mention your high school, but uh, tell everyone um, your, your, your high school, the name of it. Uh, I go to Woodward Academy. I went to Woodward Academy. It's just a private school out of College Park, Georgia, right by the airport. Okay. Well, see, I've been to Atlanta several times. I just, <laughs> I just consider it Atlanta. I mean, I know you got different, uh, you know, parts of of, of the city. Right. Um, Jalen, your recruiting process. Mm-hmm. How, how how was it? Um, I like to call my recruiting process slower than um everyone else that was around me at the time because I I wasn't at Woodward my whole life. I started at Marietta. Mm-hmm. I lived in Marietta since I was five years old, so I was brought up in that process. And, you know, my freshman year, we had a bunch of talent. We had, you know, a five-star quarterback, Harrison Bailey, number one player in the nation, Eric Gilbert. You know, I still dressed on varsity, but, you know, I didn't get one down. So then that next following year, you know, I started getting more reps on varsity. I started a couple games and whatnot, but then um, after my sophomore year, my parents and I made a decision that um, that I was going to transfer, and that's what led me to go to Woodward Academy. And um, the summer going into my junior year, we did a seven-on-seven camp at Georgia Tech, and that's when I got my first offer um, from the University of Toledo. And um, after that, you know, as the season progressed, you know, I got um, Miami, Ohio, Morehouse offered me, uh, Georgetown ended up offering me that summer. You know, I wasn't getting like 20, 30 offers, but I was getting, you know, a good amount of offers mm-hmm. consistently. I think I ended up with uh, 13 or 14 total. But as my senior season like ended, um, that's when, you know, the transfer portal really uh, affected me because most of these other schools started taking um, quarterbacks out of the transfer portal. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't blame the colleges, you know, when they have the choice to, you know, either – go with someone who's been in college for about two or three years or someone who hasn't had no experience. So, you know, there's nothing against them. It's just, you know, they're, 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 they're trying to win. So I totally understand that. So I think I was, um, it was in January, middle of January and um, Southern hit me up um, saying they're very interested in me. So they got me down and visit the last week before signing day. Like the last week of course signing day, which I'm I'm really that's all uh, it's all glory to God uh, for that because I don't know what I've done to Southern and they kind of hit me up. Cause I had other offers too, but none of them really felt like home. If you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. you know, right when I got on campus, as I crossed that bridge, I knew like this is where I want to go to school. So they didn't offer me like right away. Obviously, they had I had to pass the eye test, and then you know after talking to the coaches. We had a dinner um, the last night of my official visit, and then uh, Coach Dooley told me that um, he really sees a lot of potential in me, and that he wants to offer me a full, full uh, scholarship. And that was probably one of the best moments of my life, you know, because um, at that point, you know, most other visits I've been on, I've been offered right on the spot, but 
they definitely took their time to see if I'm a guy they really want to take. So I'm really thankful for them and the coach staff for uh, taking that chance on me. Jalen, um, after your senior year, toward the end of the senior year, um, you, of course you talked about Southern University offering. Um, who would be some names, notable names that 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 offers you besides Southern? You know, um, people that offered me notable names was um, Morehouse offered me the my senior season. I believe Georgetown offered me as well. And then uh, Delaware State offered me in January mm-hmm. when that hit a new coach and staff, uh, Coach Lee Hull. Um, I believe Tennessee Tech offered me as well. And then uh, obviously I said Toledo and Miami, Ohio, those are the max schools and the College of Charleston too. So those yeah. were some of the schools that were in the contender that I was um, interested in. You know, and, and Charles, it's interesting that we've talked about, uh, even last week, we uh, uh, we had uh, Coach Fish on uh, talking about how the transfer portal has affected, you know, student athletes. So uh, it, it's interesting that you understand what's going on, Jalen, and you accepted the, uh, right. uh, uh, of the fact because uh, it, it's really – that that impact of the transfer portal we've talked about on the show, um, it, it, it's we feel a certain way about it. It's a good mm-hmm. thing in a way, but then it, it, it kind of hurts the student athletes. And and talking right. to parents who have stu, student student uh, athletes um, trying to get scholarships offers who are you mm-hmm. know pretty talented, it, right. it makes for a tough situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course you chose committed to Southern University. Um, how are you preparing for that now as far as your, your, your summer workouts? Um, I, they didn't give me a, a workout schedule personally, but, you know, after I committed there and I signed, you know, I asked them, like, you know, do you guys have a workout for me? You're doing my own thing. And they said, you can do your own thing. Like, we trust you and all. So what I've been doing, there's a, there's a quarterback trainer. His name is Quincy Avery mm-hmm. out of Atlanta. You know, he trains Deshaun Watson. He trained uh, Trey Lance. So, Ever since January, I've really been working with him, going through group sessions. You know, we previously just had flight school, which is one of the nation's best quarterback camps in Atlanta. And as far as training-wise, there's um, a workout place in Atlanta called Adapt Athlete. And it's a um, – I go there three or four times a week at 7 in the morning, and they train a lot of notable names. Like, who who all has been there? Um, like Amari Rogers. They have, like – Maybe 20, 20 NFL jerseys on there. Kyle Pitts goes there. A lot of notable names walk through there all the time. Calvin Ridley, stuff like that. So they're definitely going to be prepared for the college level because they know what they're talking about too. So, and, and, and within those workouts, it, it's uh, designed specifically for quarterbacks, right. of course. What, like what in, in a day? I mean, you don't have mm-hmm. to give me the whole schedule, but – um, what does it entail, the workout? I'll give you um, my Mondays. So Mondays, um, they have me coming in at 7 a.m. in the morning. And for quarterbacks, usually they have different workouts set up. Like they have me doing rotational stuff so they can, like, help with my rotational aspect of the game. And along with, you know, getting me stronger in the legs because, you know, I was strong in the legs before, but I know like taking it to the next level is uh 
whole different process you need to be mentally pre- uh, prepared for. So that's what I've been working on doing this past four or five months. And so basically at 7 a.m., workouts usually last about an hour, hour and a half at most. And I always end it with conditioning. They have um, they have like a one of those fast treadmills in there, and then along with um, and along with um, bicycles and ellipticals and stuff like that. Yeah. And then they they have like a recovery process too. Like whenever my shoulder's feeling sore, or whenever I know I'm about to be throwing for a long period of time, they usually give me cupping on my uh, shoulders and stuff like that, so they can get me prepared. You know, one of the things I didn't ask, but in in the recruiting process, and Charles, you know, let me know when you're ready to jump in there. Um, you're from a standpoint of, and I think we had talked about this uh, a week ago, but the offense that you run, uh, you were running at, at your high school, is similar mm-hmm. to uh, Southern University's offense. Was that uh, an important factor? Right. Uh, one, uh, one of the important factors of you considering Southern University? It was definitely one of the most important factors of um, deciding what college I wanted to attend to. Because obviously, I've been this offense at Woodward for about two years now, and I can I felt really comfortable in it. And so, obviously, before I went to Southern and visited, like when they hit me up, I did my research, watched a couple games, you know, just, just did a little background knowledge about the school and the offense is basically identically similar to Wilbert's, you know, this spread offense. They they go under center sometimes when it comes to the goal line, but overall the quarterback's uh, mainly in the shotgun. And I like I like uh, most of the concepts they do too. They do some flag concepts that I'm really um that I'm fond of too as well. So the offense and the type of offense coach Dooley runs um definitely played a big role in uh what I wanted to do as far as going to college. Yeah. Well, I, well, yeah uh, go ahead, Charles. Yeah, yeah. I have a quick question for you. You were talking okay. about the camps, you know, the seven on sevens and all that. I, I follow right. a bunch of stuff on social media. Mm-hmm. People going to these different camps, uh, schools promoting these different camps. Talk about that process and, and how that leads to opportunities, especially considering that the transfer portal, it kind of shuts out its it's limiting opportunities coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. How important are those camps? Because I was reading a, a post, uh, one of the top players in the country got four offers, Texas A&M, uh, Notre Dame, you know, just coming out of that, those, that, that particular camp. I can't remember which one he attended. But right, you know, coming out of that camp, he had four offers. How does that typically work uh, based, on, based on what you know about it and being a part of it? So I will tell you this. Um, as far as camps to go, I'm not a firm believer in going to um, a camp where it, no college is involved. If it's like um, just like maybe a, a prospect camp or like, you know, a local camp that you don't know if any college recruiters are going to be there, I, I would not go to one personally. Because at the end of the day, if a college is showing interest in you and um, they haven't personally invited you to a camp, it's not, you know, very ideal for you to go to a camp. If, if you're young and you want to get like a camp experience, then I totally understand that's far as camp because camps, you know, some can be pretty expensive as too. And mm-hmm. not, not every athlete can afford to pay, you know, 70, $80, you know, camp. So you have to pick your camp schedule uh, wisely. So 
for me, I, I believe I went to my junior year, I went to three or four camps that I was personally invited to by a college coach. And then also another camp I recommend are the mega camp. Now the mega camps are like, you know, Mercer holds a mega camp. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe SMU holds a good mega camp and, um, I can't remember the other, the other one, but those mega camps when they have 50 plus college with that, it's really, really good to go to because you can get, you know, looks by everybody. Yeah. And, you know, if it's like, just like a, if FSU is holding a personal camp, you know, colleges will be there, but it's not the same as like a, a mega camp, which the intent is to have a, as many po- colleges as you can to be on your campus. So. I went to a lot of mega camps, and obviously, if a if a offensive coordinator or a quarterback coach or even a head coach invites you to a camp, then it's probably in your best interest to go. Yeah, you know, Charles, that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as as far as as far as the other camps, you don't really know too much about. It's not a college hosting it. You don't really know much about. You haven't heard a lot. I would just save your money, unless unless it's like a a personalized skill training camp. Like, obviously, you know, you want to get better, do whatever you can. But um, as far as just if, if a, somebody's promoting their camp and you don't know that much about it, then I don't know if I would go to that one. So the bottom line is not all camps are created equal. There are different levels <laughs> of camps. That's yeah, there's, de- there's, there's definitely levels to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and besides, too, I think, what you're saying is true because in the mega camps, the more eyes you're seeing by the people who will make the ultimate decision to offer you, mm-hmm. it's better to go uh, that way. Visiting with Jalen Woods, uh, three-star quarterback out of, what is it again, Jalen? College? College Park, Georgia. Park. Yeah, I'm going to try to get that right, Jalen. College Park, uh, Georgia. Um, your, your major, what are you planning on majoring? Um, um, at Southern University. I, well, I want to be a, a lawyer when I grow up, and so um, I'm majoring in political science. Ah, that's not yes, bad. Sir. Not bad. And, and obviously, if if being a lawyer doesn't work out, because I know it doesn't work out for everybody, but political science is still a good uh, major to have, so you can do a lot with it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that was my minor, Charles. Believe it or not, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 my my major. <laughs> When I got my degree in Bachelor of Arts was history, but nobody wants to know that. Let's stick back with with with, with, with Jalen. Um, in in your first year, now this was an interesting question. I I believe. Um, what do you want to accomplish? Are your goals in year one? Albeit, of going to be classified as a freshman and moving to the next level. What do you want to accomplish? Well, as far as uh, what I want to accomplish my first year at Southern University, obviously, I'm, you know, I want to be the best quarterback and be possible in any way that can help the team. Um, I know, you know, Coach, we have, I believe we have like about five quarterbacks in the roster. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm not scared of competition. You know, I love uh, – it makes you a better quarterback. You know, I, I've learned in the past. My favorite so, word, competition. Right. Right. So I love competition. So I'll be doing my best to make every quarter to make me the best um quarterback can be as long as everybody else in the quarterback room as well. Yeah. So I don't I don't have um 
per se, I, I want to start freshman year. Obviously, everybody wants to start, you know, when they get on campus, but most of the time it's not the case. And whether that's the case or not, you know, I'm still keep my uh, head high and I'm going to keep a positive attitude about it. I'm just knowing I'm going to come in and be the best quarterback that can be possible for the team. Yeah, because, you know, from a football athletic standpoint, but there's also uh, from the academic side and, and getting acclimated mm-hmm. to uh, college and um, it, it's a whole new world. And yeah. so um, I, I understand. I understand most of the academics part, but as for me, I don't, I don't see academics being a, a big problem because the school I go to really prepared me for college. So that's probably that's me. My number one priority is, is the playbook and in school. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I'm looking at some of the uh, on, on YouTube, some of the comments and I paraphrase it. <laughs> they uh, basically are saying very articulate um, head seems to be in the right place and they're, they're wishing you uh, the best. Now, some uh, some are saying we may just be listening to the Jags starting quarterback. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't put that much pressure on you. But if, if we can uh, roll, roll the uh, film again, um, a tremendous talent. And, and, you know, and I always talk about on this show having quarterbacks that can make all of the throws. Um, would you consider yourself, well, before I ask this part, uh, we've talked about dual threat quarterbacks. My definition of a dual threat quarterback is one that can do both equally well, meaning um, athletically and making all of the throws. What right. do you What do you consider yourself? I consider myself um, a pro style quarterback because number one, I love throwing. Mm-hmm. I love throwing the hell out the ball. That's yes, my num- that's my number one option right there. I, I love throwing the ball, but I'm not. I'm not one of those uh, pro style quarterbacks who who can't who can't run at all. Like you know, if I have to run, I'm gonna run the ball too. So I feel like when I, I run, when I run the ball. You know if the pocket collapses if, you know, it wasn't the right play call or none of the receivers got open or the receiver ran the wrong route, you know, put my head down and run the, and tote the ball. So that's why. But obviously, you know, as far as Wilbur goes, we had a really good uh, offensive coordinator or head coach. And so he called right, the right plays most of the time, too, and he really adjusted to me throwing the ball a lot. So as far as I'm not a dual threat, but, you know, I can I run when I have to. No, I understand what you're saying because uh, on this show, and sometimes it's been controversial, when mm-hmm. we talk about in, in this conference, the teams that have done well or are doing well is the quarterbacks that can make all of the throws. Because sometimes you, you, you have athletes playing quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just saying that on the collegiate level. Um, but as, as we, we see the footage – um. Yeah, drop a uh, pro style. Be able to make all of the throws. That is what I'm. I'm looking for. Um. With that being said, uh, what would you like to, uh, in parting, say to the Jaguar Nation? What type of slash person quarterback that they're they're getting? Um. The cor- type of quarterback you're gonna get out of me is obviously pushing uh speed. Getting one percent better every day. That's definitely my motto. When I wake up in the morning as well, my parents uh, tell me be one percent better every day. So you know you might not even have a good practice sometimes, but you know you have to be confident in the type of quarterback you are to the point where you know that you know you're better than that, and that um, you're gonna get my best out of me as well. You know I'm coming with a different type of attitude every practice. 
you know, just to to make myself better along with the team in the quarterback room as well. So you're you're, you're getting a dog out of me, and I'm coming. I'm coming. With that big oh, go ahead, Charles. Go ahead. What 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 was the biggest selling point as far as Southern University? What what impressed you about the Jaguar Nation? Uh, the question is, what didn't impress me really? Um, <laughs> you know, prior prior to when Southern hit me up, I, I visited the college, and I, I won't tell I won't tell you the college right now, but um, it wasn't. I they didn't have all like I just wasn't really impressed with the setting, the environment, the 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 facilities and stuff like that. So when, when I crossed that bridge, obviously I talked to Coach Julie beforehand. Coach Julie was a very big factor as far as um you know getting me to come there because it's mm-hmm. he's definitely a respectable guy, a well known coach, good personality. And one thing I like about him is that you know I don't think I've ever seen him uh, not dressed in a tux in a tuxedo. <laughs> so it's drip. <laughs> yeah. So you, you know someone that that's their you know specific attire then um. You know that he he takes a certain it's, it's an extra it's an extra um, level to not to impress others but to, he gives off the impression to me that you know everywhere he goes it's just it's just classy and um, it, it gives me the the utmost respect for him as well. So Coach Julie <laughs> Coach Julie was a, a big factor in it along with you know just Southern University itself you know the campus. Um, the the football stadium, the coaches, the players. I got to talk to um a lot of the players while I was on my official visit, and you know it give it gave off a sense of you know a, a family environment, a family community. You know I can tell you know as far as the games go that you know the whole Baton Rouge is going to be there as far as supporting Southern University. I really liked uh, having the family environment, feeling like I'm home. I'm at home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so, and the coaches as well, too, you know. So, you know, when I visited Southern, they had a different quarterbacks, Coach Coach Williams, but, you know, he ended up leaving, and they got uh, right. Coach Tot- Coach Tottens. And um, as far as I know, as far as the phone calls we have, he's one of the best quarterback coaches in uh, in America. As far as being he's, – he's been he's been in the game for a very long time. He was Jerry Rogers' quarterback. His previous head coach had a well-known um, – University HBCU, so I'm really excited to get to work with him as well. Yeah, boy, Jay and I would love to. I have a thought about who that college you won't mention, but uh, <laughs> and I respect that. Uh, just for the record, what that college is it in the conference or not? Uh, it's in the MEAC. Uh oh, uh oh, okay, <laughs> all right, yeah, but you, you know what, with the MEAC and the SWAC, uh. Jalen, they they've had the ups on the uh, swag as far as you know the MEAC swag the challenge, the celebration, the celebration bowl. bowl, yeah, right, yeah, Which, yeah. So with that being said, I'll have my own private thoughts about that. <laughs> that's, that's cool, and it, and it better not be uh, who I think it could be, but I could be totally wrong. Um, nah. Well, you get to um, you get to Southern, I believe, in uh, late June, um, June twenty eighth. Yeah, uh, get used to the uh, humidity. When you visited, I'm sure it wasn't it was pleasant, but right now it's uh, my goodness. Put it this way: next week it'll be in the upper 90s. But the big difference is, Jalen, 
get acclimated to the humidity, and you'll be right. fine. You'll be fine. Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not worried about heat as much. You know, I'm. I'm from Florida, so it's not really a, that much of a problem for me as far as heat. But I definitely know what you mean. You know, I've been in Georgia. For, I've been in Georgia for a minute, so it gets hot down here. But not. I've heard it's not Louisiana hot. So. Yeah, but you'll be all right. You'll be all right. Oh, yeah. You have the you have the right attitude, uh, boy. Some people in the chat room saying, "Can you bring some receivers?" <laughs> oh, I've, I've definitely been doing some uh, work as far because I couldn't really do that much with the twenty three class, but you know, as far as twenty four class, I'm definitely working in uh, bringing in some uh, top notch ballers. How you say, wink, wink with the eye? Yeah, wink, wink. All right. <laughs> well, uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. It, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Um, yeah. You seem to have the total package. That's what I call it. You know, from a academic standpoint, a personal standpoint, and the the film doesn't lie. I think you will be a great fit, and we appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, we'll follow you. We'll for follow sure, you. anytime. All right. Thank take, you guys for having me. Take appreciate care it. and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, you as well. All right. That was Jalen Woods. Um, I tell you what, people in the chat room pretty impressed with the guy. Uh, just kind of looking at some of the uh, comments. Yeah, Jay, Jalen is a very articulate, love this, love his attitude, and he can really throw the ball. He really can. And and the question about, you know, Charles, me and you've had this conversation, dual threat. My definition, as I stated in interviews, may be different than others. But you got to be able to do both equally. But he said he's a pro-style quarterback that has the athleticism to make things happen if called upon. But in this conference, you have to make every throw. You have to be able to make the throws. And we can look at teams in the conference that are going to be bringing in quarterbacks. That's what we're going to be looking at. Can you make that critical throw on third and five, third and six? That is going to be a, a, a big question, Mark, coming in this conference. Yeah. Uh, Charles, we're going to take a break. When we come back, scheduled to join with Maurice Hurst. Now, did did you um, Google him, Charles, from last uh, week? I did briefly. I did briefly Google him. Let me pull. I'll pull that back up during the break. But I did, when you told me about it, I did pull it up briefly. Yeah, and, and you know what? I have some questions because people people have asked me, did did Maurice, was he, did he play with Aeneas Williams? Were they at the same time? We'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. But uh, played seven seasons in New England, drafted by them in the fourth round, 1989. Also has a, a son that's uh, in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns, I believe, Maurice Hurst Jr. But we'll we'll focus more on his time uh, at Southern University's recruitment, his college careers, his NFL days, and then last we'll kind of talk with him about his thoughts on the Southern University program and his relationship with Coach Dooley. We'll take a timeout. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational. Powerhouse. 
intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice dot com. Always on, all the time. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Supermarket sushi, really? No, wait. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, joined by Charles Edmond, and now an extra, another special guest, uh, Maurice Hurst. Cornerback, played seven seasons in, in, in the NFL, New England Patriots, a fourth-round draft pick in 1989. Good afternoon, Maurice. Uh, welcome to the Carlos Brown Show. Oh man, thank you. Good afternoon to you guys. We've been trying to get it. We've been trying to make it happen to schedule it, but hey, uh, <laughs> you know, we got it done. We got it done now. We got. You know, you, you you're right because um, I I was like, uh, man, I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him. You know, the timing didn't work out. So I got up this morning and I see a text message. I say, whoa, that's it. He was asking for the information. <laughs> so uh, pleasure to <laughs> pleasure to have you on the show. Um, we're gonna go from a point of your recruiting process, your, you know, your days at Southern and um, NFL days and then thoughts on the Southern program right now with uh, Coach Coach Dooley. But but um, I've got a lot of questions the last couple of weeks, so let's let's start right now. Uh, they wanted to know, did you play with uh, Aeneas Williams at Southern University? Yeah, we played at Southern University. We also played – actually, we played against each other in the uh, playground ball. He played for Harrell Playground. I played mm -hmm. for Conrad. So, we had the <laughs> – we had we grew up. All of us was in, you know, park ball. So, we grew up. We all went to Woodson and then on the 4K, high school. Aeneas was a year behind me uh, in high school, and um, he played defense. Actually, I played offense then. But we played together. And then I went on to Southern University. He went to Southern, but he didn't play football, I think, for his first two years. Mm -hmm. And then he uh, he came out – my junior year, he came out about midseason and played that year. And then that following year, he played. So um, we got to play together a little bit in uh, both high school and college football. So, And his story is a little different. 
but uh, he uh, he walked on at seven. Yeah. Uh, and we were like in the middle of the season, so he ended up playing and starting. So uh, things worked out well for him, and I got an opportunity to play with him a little bit on defense, and uh, that was pretty interesting. And both of us ended up in the NFL. So. Wow. Sometimes you never know when your steps are ordered ahead of time. I, I'm sure it was competitive um, as we were thinking about it, or, or how was it actually? Uh, in, in terms of when we got to the league, the two of us, uh, yeah, it was a little competitive. Obviously, he, he set some standards that were really, really high. And a lot of things, I think, we both helped each other. In the offseason, we talked a lot. We worked out a lot back here at home. And um, we kind of learned from each other. And I think it was more of that it was a competitive deal, but it was more of helping each other figure out what was going on. And I, I can remember <laughs> I can remember we were playing, uh, we were playing Arizona. And uh, he called me, and he said, "He said, look, you keep." He said, "Be careful with this." Um, I can't think of a receiver. What his name is? Uh, what was it? The Redskins, and uh, he was with Cardinals. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, not. Oh, he was with Art Monk in him for a while, but I can't think of his name. But anyways, he told me. He said, "Man," he said. Be careful, Mo Ritter. He, he, <laughs> you know, so so coming, you know, coming into the game, and and and, and I kind of like respect guys, but when it came from him to tell me, say this guy's got some stuff. He said he got some stuff. He ain't fast, Mo, but he got some things that could. So obviously, he had been playing against him, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, practicing against him, and uh, we just laughed it off, and uh, we ended up beating him that day. So it was fun. I got an interception, so. How you say listen listen to good advice if they're telling you, hey, take take it and 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 run with that information. Um Maurice, your your recruitment to uh Southern University, how how did that go? In terms of one more t- recruiting? Yeah, recruiting to Southern University, that that process, how did it go for you? Uh well it was actually it was a very interesting process when you when I was coming out of high school. Um it was pretty interesting because I really wanted to go to Grambling, to be honest with you. I know Southern fans will be mad. <laughs> well, at the time, I was a wide receiver, so I wanted to be True May and Johnson. And I remember oh, yeah, True May. <laughs> so I wanted to be a wingback because I was a wide receiver in high school. And then two years at Southern, I played wide receiver. I'll tell you how I got transferred over. But um, the recruiting – uh, Southern University came down and they were on me hard, and I kept kind of, kind of pushing them back. And I said, "Boy, I can't wait till Coach Robinson called me, because that's where I'm going." And lo and behold, it's one day before signing, and I hadn't heard from Coach Robinson, and he calls me, "Oh, Maurice Harris, I got a scholarship for you. I just been busy." <laughs> I said, uh-huh. "Coach, I said, Coach, I'm sorry, but Southern University been here with me the whole time." He said, "You're not gonna take the scholarship." I said, "No." I'm going to Southern. I'm seeking the classic. So it was a crazy little story, and and ultimately I said Southern. He he offered me the scholarship, but mm-hmm. I said no. Nah, these guys, uh, Coach Burns, Coach Washington, Viegas, they just they stayed on me like this is yours. You do what you want to do. And um, Coach Robinson came a little too late, so you know it was one of those things. I but when I would be in the stands, I would always go. My family was really big Southern. And I would always go to the Bayou Classic, and boy, I'd be sitting up in the stands, and Southern would do something, and they would be yapping, and I'd be sitting like I'd be sitting like this. Oh, <laughs> you know? like, no, 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 
no, no, no. Yeah. For some reason. So it was a kind of like an interesting thing. Then when I got to play, family got to come and see me play. And my family was a lot of them was from Plaquemine, Louisiana. So they would come down. So it worked out really well. And being at home was better, being closer to home. So that kind of worked out really well. And, 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 and that's an interesting story, Maurice. And then you, you get the Southern University. How would you um, say your career at, at Southern University, uh, how was it for you? Did, were you able to accomplish uh, everything that you wanted to, and, and even uh, from an academic standpoint? Yeah, well, uh, I did. When I first got to Southern University, and we'll get back, I know we'll get to the Eric, but um, Eric and I, Eric played wide receiver at Four Shade when I was a wide receiver. And actually, I was a running back. And mm-hmm. then Eric was a wide receiver, and Eric went to the um, to the coaches. He said, Coach, he can catch, he can run. Y'all not going to play him at tailback. We want to use him. You know, can we use him? And I got to wide receiver, ended up playing. I was a sophomore. Eric was a senior. Ended up playing the season at wide receiver at Four Shade. Then became all district and all state receiver. Um, and when I got to Southern University, Eric had already been to college. He had went to Tennessee State, I think, for a year. Mm-hmm. And when he came back, he would kind of, like, give us ideas of things. He would help us to kind of be ready for what we were going to face when we got to college. So when we when he would come home, we were still in high school, and we would work out together. So we were learning things that co- at the college level, basically in high school, and that kind of made us a lot better. So when I got to Southern, uh oh, let me see some note on. Sorry about there you that. Go. No problem. When I got to Southern, when I got to Southern, I kind of was ahead of the game because I had learned the passing tree. I had learned the routes. I had learned all this stuff because Dooley had pretty much brought that back to Forshea High School when he was coming back to work out with us. Um, and so I started my freshman year at wide receiver. Um, I got to play a lot. I was kind of the third receiver, but you ran the plays in and out. So um, my two first years there, Went pretty well. Went pretty good. I, I always felt that I I was getting better. We had a lot of wide receivers. Um, then in my – coming into my uh, junior year, they had a coach by the name of Greg Blosh. I don't know if you know Greg Blosh. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bay Packers. For some reason, they had been released from the Packers, so he was just kind of roaming around, obviously. Uh, he ended up at Southern, and Coach Walsh had just been fired. And we were kind of in the middle of nowhere, not knowing who was the coach. And he came out there into one of our practices, and I was running routes. And after running routes, he came up to me, this Coach Blosh. He said, look, son, he said, look, you're going to play in the NFL at wide receiver. He said, you got speed, you got, you can catch, you can run. He said, but there's a lot of wide receivers. He says, they dime a dozen. He mm. said, you ever thought about playing defensive back? And I said, no. He said, no, why? You like your name in the papers on Sunday, huh? You know, after the game. <laughs> I said, kind of, yeah. You know, you got a two-touchdown game. So he kind of understood it. He said, you ought to give it a try. He said, you're going to play in the NFL wide receiver because you can run. He said, but you, they got a lot of you. He said, but the way that you explode to that ball, you would be an asset at defensive back. And this, I never played it. And he said, uh, just try it. So that spring, I went, I just flipped over. We had no coach or nothing. 
We didn't know who our head coach was. We didn't have nobody. So he just taught me some things. And then Coach Chasm took over, and Coach Chasm just left me there. Mm. And whole, he, he understood the game and where I needed to be. And I only got to play it two seasons at defensive back, two, you know, two seasons in college, and ended up being drafted. And he was correct in that, you know, I saw a lot of wide receivers who could run, who could catch, and they would get cut. But by me being on the other side of the ball, I had already caught the ball. I knew, you know, I uh-huh. understood routes. I understood routes, and I could feel receivers. So that transition was, like, much easier for me. I could locate the ball because that's what I did at the receiver position. So he understood it, and it was just – I mean, you just imagine the timing of him being released, being there, moving me over, but leaving, not even coaching me. And then I meet him – we meet him in the playoffs. He gets hired by the uh, Chicago Bears. And he and uh-huh. I meet in the playoffs, and he said, what I told you. You know what I said? Man, I said, Coach, I owe you. He said, you don't owe me nothing, son. And you were talented. You just needed somebody to see it and put you in the right position. He said, but I wow. knew. He said, yeah, I knew you were going to be a good player. He said, I could just see the explosion to the ball. He said, because you run away from my defensive backs, and you find the ball. So it was just Nobody else would have known that in college football. You, you know what I mean? So uh, I just – the timing was everything. I just say that that was just great. Man, Charles, that's an interesting, interesting uh, story. Didn't even know that. But, I mean, know of Maurice Hurst and, uh, with the New England uh, Patriots. Uh, knew that he did play at, at Southern University. Well, I, I I should hang this uh, this uh, I should step out right now because he had an offer from my alma mater, Grambling State <laughs> University, <laughs> turning down the the great Eddie Robinson. So I, I I was feeling a certain kind of way when you said that, man. You, you, oh, you, you'll get over it. <laughs> you, you, you turned down an offer at my alma mater, man. You could have made it so much better, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to play there. I wanted to wear those colors. I was the next Tremaine Johnson in my mind. And I said, I waited on Coach Robinson and waited. And, you know, sometimes you don't know as a youngster how it goes. But somebody was like, Maurice, he didn't get his guy. So now you know how it works out. Yeah, recruit. Yeah. <laughs> now your scholarship is available. And, and, you know, it's just, it was one of those days. But, boy, I'm on the phone with Coach Robinson, and I'm, like, nervous. And he's like, Maurice Thurston, got your scholarship, son. And I don't know how to tell Coach Robinson. <laughs> no, you know. Because yeah. he, he is an impressive guy. I met him. I, you know, I didn't know he was that tall and, and a big man. I met him in Atlanta with his, mm-hmm. oh, his gorgeous wife um, at, at the um, – uh, it was called the uh, wasn't the celebration bowl then, but it was the heritage bowl, and um, he he was there. Southern was playing, and um, I, I got a chance to meet him. But to to your point, you you're a youngster then. I I'm a I'm an adult, and he still was impressive. You know, as far as you admire yeah. him, yeah. So boy, uh, that was interesting. In, in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and go back down memory lane a little bit. Who was probably the best player or one of the best players that you went up against? 
you know, in, in, in college, it was a little tough because obviously the quarterback position played a part, the, 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 um, the line played a part, and we had a very good defense. But the one guy that did end up playing in the NFL for a little while was Frank Pillows from mm-hmm. Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my first year playing. And I remember Coach Cavan, Coach Cavan said, you getting on, you go get on him. We had Michael Ball, too. You remember Michael oh, Ball? Oh, yeah, Michael Ball, yeah. Michael Ball. So they wouldn't throw at Michael Ball. And this was my first time ever playing cornerback, like, in, you know, in a game. And Tennessee State threw the ball at me 17 times. And they completed one pass. Marino Cat, he says, son, he says, son, that's how you play the position. <laughs> he, I, I stayed on the island the whole night. We never had safety help. We never had nothing. It was just Remarkable. man press. It was press man to man. And I can remember that night being exhausted. And it wasn't like Cass stood there and said, okay, we're going to roll the safety over the top since they want to throw it. No, he just said, it's my man against yours. And whoever wins this game is going to win it right here. And that was their number one guy. It was Frank Pillows. And here I was, a junior, never played a position. And these balls are going in the air, slants, posts. They're throwing bombs, and I'm just knocking balls down. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I say, well, maybe I'd have made my mark now. So, you know, but uh, he was probably the toughest. My senior year, there weren't many guys um, that came out. Ramlin did have the guy, Fred Jones, I think, and the other little fella that I ended up knocking the ball out of his hand at the end of the game in the Bayou Classic to beat y'all. Sorry about that. But, uh, Terry, Rose, Terry Rose. Terry Rose, I thought, was a very good receiver. Um, he just he was hurt that during the Bayou Classic, and I think that by senior year he was hurt. But, um, you know, uh, it was a couple guys that came through there, but it wasn't a lot of guys that were drafted and things like that. So it was a little bit different. But, you know, the work still ended up being the same. You know, if you cover them, you cover them, and that's what you yeah. have to do. Mm-hmm. Boy, what impressed I, you about Southern University? What you know, obviously you chose Southern over Grambling, but once you got there and got in there, you talked about uh, Coach uh, Coach Casson. What impressed you about the whole Jaguar Nation, Southern University, the whole thing? <laughs> well, actually, it, when I got there, it was like a it was step up from high school for me. Some high schools play in big stadiums and play in front of big crowds and things like that. It, it kind of shocked me in that the crowd when I first got there, and I remember my first game, we played Mississippi Valley State, and it was like we were in Memorial Stadium. Mm-hmm. And, man, it was like all these people, these bands, and I was just like, here I am, a freshman. And that experience of, from a football standpoint was just something amazing just to see the crowds and then to go into the Bayou Classic and really be down there on the field as opposed to up. So at, at Southern University, it was to me, and probably not a lot of people, a jump. But mm-hmm. I was being I was being courted by LSU. Just unfortunately, they offered me a partial at wide mm. receiver. They offered me a partial, and I didn't take it. I said, no, I'm not going to. I had to do work and pay for books and stuff like that. So I said, no. Right. It, was, it was just, it was really funny, but. You know, I had been to Tiger Stadium, and I was like, this is, like, amazing here. You're at Tiger Stadium. But when I got to Southern, I just kind of – I kind of gelled with everything. Um, The process went really well. 
You know, we had um, Coach Bennett, who was our academic advisor, and Coach Bennett really took the heart. Robert you know, Bennett. Kid. Robert Bennett. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, he, really, I, yeah, he really took to heart the younger players because Coach Bennett would be there on the first day of um, orientation. He would take all the players and freshmen come with me. Give me your schedules. I mean, let's get your schedules. Let's get your stuff. And he would get us in line to get up Pell Grants and whatnot. And because it was all new, you didn't know what to expect as a, you know, coming out of high school. But I thought he made that transition like really good. And the coaches also. And and I don't think it was a whole lot about you just being their player. I think they cared about the players and they understood this is just a part of the process of being, you know, when you get older, when you grow up, you're going to be a family man. You're going to need this. And I think they, they, especially Coach Burns, Viegas, I mean, you know his track record with Alabama, now with the Giants. I think you got something out of them that was more than just a coach. It, it was more like, we care about you. We don't want you to fail. We don't. We want you on the field, but we really want you to get something out of this education. And I thought that that was one of the major things that impressed me <laughs> was that they were concerned about the player themselves. Yeah. Okay. Seems like it, 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 you felt at home and it was like a family and they cared about <laughs> the person who happened to be a, 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 an athlete. And, um, and Maurice, that, that leads me to the next uh, situation. Um, you got drafted, of course, uh, 1989 fourth round. A lot lately has been uh, talked about, uh, you know, when I say our, our HBCU athletes, in some cases, they, a few have been drafted, most are un, unrestricted free agent. What are your, what are your thoughts uh, 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 about that, that process now? You, you were drafted, a lot of student athletes, football from our schools, they're hoping that more will be drafted. Put a perspective on it for us. Well, I can give it from I can give it from two standpoints. One of a player, and then I did scout for the Dallas Cowboys for a few years under Coach Parcells. Okay, appreciate which it. I was, which I was part of that deal where they had a special um, group of guys who dealt with small colleges, like your flag colleges, you know, your little, your little smaller colleges. And they put a lot of emphasis on finding those players. I think the one thing that's, that separates them is the fact that it's the competition sometimes that you play against. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you're playing against Alabama, you're playing against, you know, 20 pros, pretty much pros. But when you're on a swag week to week, like you might ask me, Maurice, who was the best receiver you play against, it's hard to come up with a guy. But if you're in the SEC – you're playing against those players every week. They, they're pros, uh, basically. So I think that's one aspect of it. And then, you know, I think you do have a chance because I remember coming out and when I when I was working out for these, for these uh, pros, scouts, I remember one of them saying to me one day, he said, you made yourself some money today, which I ran 4-3-8. I did well in drills. And he said, man, you made yourself some money today. And I didn't understand it, but – I think when they come to those schools, those guys need to – you got to stand out. You got to do something that gets them to say, hey, uh, yeah, he was running 4-5, but I, they're saying 4-5. I see him running 4-3 or 4-2. Two. 
So it changes their perspective of it. You know, and I think the competition is getting better week to week. Then you have, because you have all these transfers and, you know, the, um, you know, the college transfer portal. So I think the competition is getting better and the scouts can't say, well, who did he play against? Because I, I ended up signing Lenny, Lenny Watkins, I think Lenny Williams from ground on the cornerback to the Cowboys. I called Coach Parcells. I was a scout, but they were coaching. And I got in touch with Coach Parcells. I said, Coach Parcells, this guy is better than our third and fourth corner. And he's at home. The Buccaneers just released him. I said, but he's better than our three and four. He said, Murray, you sure? I said, he's better than our third and four. Now, I ain't told you he's going to come in here and start. But I can yeah. tell you what, he's, he's just equally as good as these two guys, if not better. They brought him in, worked him out, signed him. But he was at home. But nobody pays attention to it or watch him and, and bring that to the forefront. I think you get you get lost. It's easier to get lost in the shuffle. And they make decisions. Those, those teams make decisions on who you played against. You know what I mean? So it was one of those things because when I first got to New England, it was – Oh, such and such with there with USC. He played with you know this University of Texas, and he was with. That was a lot mm. of talk here around the locker room, and coaches like it too, because they know you UCLA. You didn't play against some of the best, so I was kind of pushed to the back a little bit. Southern University until I started to just produce in practice and produce, and they just kept on saying, "Well, we can't just keep him down." You know what I mean? But. You start off under the eight ball, basically. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to get better, and these players are going to start to get drafted uh, because they're going to be playing better competition, one, and then they're going to get – more eyes are going to be on them. I think more eyes are going to be on them. And I think when you get that breakout guy like a Jerry Rice from the draft, it starts to trickulate to where they say, we got to go watch this guy again or we got to make sure of this. So – with the, with the new game, the Heritage Bowl coming up, they're able to kind of wait to see, one, if you're going to make it there, then two, the competition is better at the Heritage Bowl than it is week to week that you're going against. Um, so I think it's 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 the level of play that makes the difference at this point. It, it doesn't mean a player can't be drafted, but I think for a little while you're going to probably have to go through this process until we get – in the swag, those good players who transfer from the LSUs to the Southern, or you know what I mean? You start maybe even getting some some of the swag players transferring to the bigger colleges, and people starting to say, well, he left Southern and went played at uh, LSU. But you got it the other way right now. They come out of LSU, and when they come to Southern or Bramlin, they're playing tomorrow. If you leave Southern and go there, you still in that predicament. So the competition level mentally and I guess on paper, it kind of have the scouts saying, let's just hold off. We get him cheap. We can get him late in the round if he does. And let's just keep our eyes on him. But I think we're going to see a swap in that coming up. Well, that yeah, that, that's, that's, that's interesting. Um, you, you've seen it from uh, both perspectives. Um, and, and once again, now with the transfer portal, I'm just happy to see uh, student athletes, you know, just getting the opportunity, come in as a freshman, get their degree, and they're a better player from their freshman year to their senior year. Um, Your thoughts on Southern football program right now with uh, 
you know Coach Dool, of course, personally. Um, I I, I kind of saw your social media a little bit. You were <laughs> at the Jackson State game last year, so you you are still involved with the Southern University program. But um, last question: uh, your thoughts on Southern football program now under Coach Dooley? Um, I think Coach Dooley has a plan, and, and I think Coach Dooley plan. Obviously, it's it's tough these days because you got to win now. Oh and, yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. You know, you want your, want your neck the next day if you want to lose one game. But I think what Coach Dooley is doing is he's he's he has a plan. And I think this plan is not going not only going to assist him, but if someone takes over in the future, he's building that program up. Dooley is very, very involved with even players like myself coming back, talking to his players. Well, we haven't had that kind of communication where Dooley wants to set up a day to have some of the players come back. Then you get these players seeing guys saying, hey, man, he came to Southern and he's within the NFL or he played, you know, you can come to Southern University. So I think Dooley sees the big picture of that. And I think his plan is one that's really good because he's getting a lot of recruits. Obviously, I see your post all the time that we picked up a guy here, picked up a guy there. And that has to be a credit to him. And I think he has that long-term plan and kind of like Coach um, Eddie Robinson. It was a long-term. But Robinson understood what he needed to do at first. And then he brought Gramlin and put him on the map. And I think Dooley is building that program to the point where it can function and you're going to get those players who you don't have to go out and chase. They're going to be players that want to come to your facility. Southern University right now is redoing their locker rooms. They're redoing some things. They're going to, I think this year we're going to have a day when a lot of the ex-players and the ex-professional players come back and come to a game. You just need to get that stuff and get it kind of involved with these guys. And I think you're going to start getting players to choose these universities because of the history of them. And I think Coach Dooley, I think he's on the right path. And, and, and I see he's, he's building it to a point where I think it'll sustain over years, even after he's gone or whatever. And it'll kind of be like Coach Pete that built that and then, you know, kind of had something for the following coach. And then he wants to build that. So I, I think he has a good plan in place. Yeah. I, I have another question, Carlos. Um, mm -hmm. you, you were talking about Coach Kassam. Now, I, I remember Coach Kassam when he was an athletic director at Alcorn. He was an athletic director here on a couple of different occasions, one prior to becoming Alcorn. And then when I was here, he, 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 he served in an interim capacity. But I never got a chance to know him as a football coach. Of course, he was a coach at Alcorn, and then he talked about Southern. What kind of coach was Marino Castle? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question because it almost slipped my mind, and I got a quick little story to tell you, but it's going to play into what he was. Um, coach Chasm was as tough as they came. Obviously, that was just – it was something. It was a hard deal to play for him. You either played for him, he liked you, or you were gone. And people talk about transfer portal. Coach Chasm cut 35 players his first year as head coach at Southern. We woke up one day and we had a dorm. The whole dorm was pretty much empty. After one practice, Coach Chasm had people leaving in the middle of the night. It was like, it was just unbelievable. But he was weeding out those guys who were just standing around for five years, you know, six years. So to him, that was an experience in, within itself. But I want to tell you a story that's going to tell you a little bit about who he was. I was in New England, and Bill Parcells was there. 
I was Bill Parcells' first year. And Parcells, we we practice in two-a-days. This is a great story. We're practicing two-a-days, and we're on day, like, maybe day 10. So that's about 20-something practices, two-a-day, right? In Boston, normally, it rains, or we get rained out and something happens. But anyway, so we don't, we don't practice 22, right? So Bill Parcells come up to me after the practice. He goes, he says, uh, this is tough on you, huh? This is too much for you, huh? He used to <laughs> So I said, uh, I said, Coach, I said, Coach, um, hard on me. I said, no, it's hard on the boys from UCLA and USC. I said, I didn't did this over and over and over. I said, there's nothing you could do to me <laughs> with this little bit of practice. I said, we practice three times. Sometimes four D is not legal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, you know what's funny though what Parcel said? He said, he said, Mo, after practice, go upstairs to my secretary and have her contact this Marino. I want to meet him and find out who he is. He flew <laughs> Coach Chasm. He flew Coach Chasm two hours to a day. Coach Chasm spent the week down there with the, with our in our facilities, at our practices, at the game. And he's out there. He's talking to players and talking to the owner. And Chasm, he loved Chasm. And the worst part about it was every morning I'd have to go through the breakfast line, and him and Parcells would be sitting right there eating breakfast in the front in the morning. And they said, "Come in, move." And then Chasm called me sugar. He called me sugar because of my feet. He said three feet. So Chasm, come in, sugar. And I'd be trying to walk past. I'd be trying to walk past him, and then I gotta go over there. And Kaz will tell a story about me, and then Bill would say something. And those two spent the whole week together, and Kaz got to coach, and he got to be on the sideline. It was probably the greatest time he ever had. And I had no idea. All I told Bill was, I said, Coach, there is no one tougher than him. And he said, I want to meet him, and I want to see him. That was an amazing story, man. And yeah. Bill, didn't let, and then Parcells and him became friends, and it was just a, it was great. Wow, it was a great story. That, that yeah. was a great story. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well yeah. Maurice, we appreciate you coming on. We'll end on on that note. But uh, hey, I would like to get you back, especially when football season starts, uh, and uh, ha- have you join us. Uh, but uh, it was a pleasure having you come on. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Appreciate the time that you you, you gave us. Really, no proud. Oh, I love. Right. I enjoyed it, and uh, I look forward to it. I do want to get on during the season, talk a little bit of football with you guys, and I, I love to do it. Yes. Oh, uh, quickly, what did you think about uh, Jalen Woods? Uh, you got a chance to look at the footage, the quarterback? No, I didn't. I haven't looked at it yet, but uh, I'm going to get on there and get it. I had another guy I had duly looking at. Um, but I'm going to get on there and check out that quarterback. You th- I don't know much about him, but I think that that's the position that needs the attention. Like, I think you got everything else. It needs uh, the attention. <laughs> you know what I mean? Y- yeah, I, I exactly. <laughs> See my expression because, wow, you know, the Jaguar Nation, they're, uh, they're tough, but they're enthusiastic. And uh, that, is, that is a position – that they're going to be looking at with the critical, critical yeah. eye. Yeah, and I, and it's a tough position for a head coach to make the decision on because mm-hmm. sometimes we don't know all the ins and outs of that position, and sometimes it's not mm-hmm. so strong on. Sometimes it's the leadership. Sometimes you know, sometimes it's things that they make decisions on that we can't, we don't understand. And we say, oh, that guy's just better. He's much better, but he may not be the leader for that group. You just have to put things together, and I think that. 
Dooley's going to do that. He's probably going to get his guy this year that he wants. Like you said, I'll check out this guy here and see. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully that thing can click over and get the moving early. Yes. Well, we had Jalen Woods on um, right before you. So uh, it's. I'm going to go look at I'm going to go look at it. And I'll and be let, talking and, to and, it, right? Yeah, and let me know what you think. Well, yeah. have a great one. We'll talk with Thanks you real soon, Maurice. You guys are great, and I appreciate it, and I enjoyed it. I was looking yeah. forward to it. Keep, I was, oh, keep, keep in the loop. We'll talk. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll do. I enjoyed you. We're going to take a quick timeout. We've got another guest scheduled, Rasheed Lyles. He, he's ready to talk with a, a defensive tackle that's Coach Dooley and staff bringing in. Um, Transferred in from Louisiana Tech. We'll talk with him next. You're watching Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome back to Earth. Thanks, it was pretty life-changing. Dude, it was eight and a half minutes. I didn't even get to finish my burrito. Technology lets you vacation in space, but to get work done on Earth, you need more than technology. You need CDW. So with the Cisco hybrid work environment, we can deliver the same network experience to all your offices. Space began. Securely connecting your team from anywhere. Houston, we have a solution. We get it, Greg. You've been to space. Cisco makes hybrid work possible. CDW makes it powerful. Nope. Nope. Want him? Ooh, I like him. The quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Thank you, guys. This week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Our last guest, our last guest is Rashid uh, Lyles. 
He comes to Southern University via the transfer portal, started off in JUCO, and his last stop prior to Southern is Louisiana Tech. Defensive tackle. Good afternoon to you, Rashid. Um, according to the, the information I have, 6'1", 289, 6'2", which, which is it? It's 6'2", and the last time away it was 302. Uh, boy, you don't look 302, but uh, a lot you, of people you, tell me that. A lot of people. <laughs> <tell me> that. <laughs> you 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 wear it well. I must I must say so myself. Um, the recruiting process. I I, I think you said you have a year. When we talked previously, uh, a, a year left. You uh, with your degree in hand. Um, your decision to join uh, a Southern University. How, how was that that process, and how did it get started? So it all started off, um, you know, I graduated in March, got my uh, bachelor's degree in sociology at Louisiana Tech, um, decided I talked to my mom about everything, telling her, you know, I think it's just time for me to transition and do what's best for me in my career. And for us as a whole, as for a family, you know, to make the best decision possible for me to proceed and be able to put myself in the best predicament for football wise and even more so, you know, going on to the next level, et cetera. And even after life, you know, and uh, that process, uh, it was pretty hectic. You know, I had the power five, the G five. I pretty much talked about every school from each conference and level of football. You can think of, to be honest with you, mm -hmm. um, but it was a hectic process. Um, uh, like I told coaches and everybody else, I wasn't really looking for like a necessarily a P5 opportunity. Yes, that was, you know, under my belt to go there, but I'm more so seeing it as a business decision. You know, I had to do what's best for me in terms of going somewhere where I know I can come in and dominate, get my numbers, you know, like I'm supposed to get my film at that too. And so I can be able to, you know, showcase that to NFL scouts per se. So, uh, you know, I can get my shot one day. And now, with that being said, and I understand um, with, with, with Southern, um, they reached out to you. You reached out to them. How, how, how was it? They reached out to me. Um, like I said, it was a pretty hectic process. You know, I was getting close to about like 12 calls a day, seriously, like in the portal. <laughs> it, it was pretty hectic. My schedule was really busy. Uh, all I really did throughout the whole process was work out a lot. I normally work out like two, three times a day. You know, I take my body through, you know, pretty much, you know, hell if I'm being honest with you, you know, because uh, you get what you put in out of it, you know. That's yeah. And, uh, I love this. This is the game I love to play. Um, I've been blessed and fortunate to, you know, come this far, and I feel like it's a God-given talent for me to be able to, you know, be in this predicament I'm in now. Now, Winfield, Louisiana, am I correct? That's correct. That's so, yeah. I'm originally I'm originally from uh, I was born in San Diego, California. My mom, okay. she was originally born in Jonesboro, Louisiana. Uh, my people, they stay in Winfield, Louisiana. So we took care of them and moved to Winfield in 2009, 2010 to go take care of my grandparents because you know they were getting elderly. So, yeah, I understand. Uh, that's, why we, that's why we decided to move and then. Did my high school career there at Winfield, uh, started playing football in seventh grade, and then so forth on, uh, just started playing football to this point. You know, uh, Rasheed, now I'm gonna I'm gonna be a bit messy here. Um, because you know, you know, of course, about Louisiana, and so I'm sure you know about the tradition of Southern Grammar State. 
I'm surprised, and, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. I'm surprised Grandma State wasn't uh, just looking because they're always looking uh, <laughs> to 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 have you come play for them. But of course, being Louisiana Tech, you're so close by each other. Right. Yeah. So with Grambling, so with Grambling State, I would say Grambling, um, they was looking at me. You know, I have a lot of family that's between, you know, out of Grambling and Southern. But uh, I feel like my resources, you know, reside here in, in Beverage, Louisiana. So I I seen that as a benefit as well, which, you know, led to me or being another reason why I wanted to go to Southern as well, too. But I would say I want to go to Southern because of uh, I feel like it was like home to me. Yeah. Know, back around my people again and people of mine, like such as my family and stuff, I felt like that was the biggest thing. And I felt like I needed to go out with a bang being back at home instead of going somewhere else. Well, do you have any family that um, attended S- Southern University in the past? Yeah, all on my all on my dad's side. So Well, that, yeah, that's that's the catch right there. Now, your position coach is, is one of my favorite defensive tackles that played at Southern University. They've had many, but come on, Coach Demarcus Miller. Heard a lot about him. He heard he was he was pretty good, like really, really good as well. Yeah. Yes, well, sir. yeah. Not only that, though, that whole defensive side, staff-wise, I, I think um, uh, you will definitely um, enjoy being coached uh, by by them. What is your strong strong point that you're going to add to that position for Southern University defensively? I would say, um, well. This is my first rodeo, you know, just, you know, being through the portal and stuff and, uh, you know, being a vet, I would say most definitely being able to come in and be a leader and to be an asset to uh, the people that's already in the room, you know, to be able to teach them the stuff that I already know that I've been taught, you know, from pros and coaches that has, you know, coached at the professional level too and stuff and has had that opportunity, you know, to be able to go to the league. So just coming in, you know, being able to, come in right away and be able to dominate. That's what it's all about, honestly. You know, I'm not the type of person. I don't really talk as much. I'm a quiet dude. I just let my action show, you know, on the field through my play. That's just me. I don't like to talk, per se, a lot. I just don't. Well, Charles, we know plenty of student athletes like that, both from uh, <laughs> on the collegiate level. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty of them. I wanted to ask you about the – you kept talking about the process and how it was hectic. Um, of course, you've been at all levels, JUCO and, and La Tech. What, what makes that, you know, share with us what makes this process so hectic. You're trying to stay in shape. You're trying to stay sharp. You're getting offers. You've been at different layers and levels. What, what, what makes it hectic? To take us inside of that process and what, what, what makes it such a grind? Well, first off, I'll say mentally the mental aspect of it. Hmm. it. It was hectic for me, like I say, because I, you know, getting the the 10 plus 12 plus calls a day, it, you know, it was a lot for me to take in. This is probably like my most, you know, uh, the most calls I've ever had just throughout my recruiting process, even, you know, when I was in JUCO and the first time I was in the portal, because I guess I was just, you know, I showcased a good bit to where, you know, I was on a lot of people's radars that really wanted me to come play for them, you know. And uh, 
you know, I was talking to my mom about this the other day too, as well, telling her, you know, like I'm really blessed and fortunate to be in this position and, you know, to come this far, you know, just to be able to still be able to be playing football and, you know, wanting to proceed and take this thing to the next level, which I, you know, I have the capability to do and stuff just by being told by, you know, many of coaches and, and scouts as well too and stuff that I have the talent to be able to do it. Uh, I would say the mental aspect of it, like I said, uh, you got to just be honed in with everything. You can't just get overwhelmed about, you know, just having all these schools call you every single day, just thinking like, you know, oh, whether on a good aspect of it, like, oh, yeah, I'm the dude, like everybody just looking at me, everybody want me versus, you know, taking it in as in, you know, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. Cause I was kind of like that as well too. I would say like, cause nice. that's why my decision came in so late. I would say, because I didn't know what and what to do and where I really wanted to go. That's why I really held out a lot um, on committing. Cause a lot of coaches was like trying to pressure me into commit, you know, early, but I didn't want to do that. You know, I wanted to take my process slowly and make, you know, my decision, you know, the best one for the last one for my last year for college ball because, you know, going through so much, you know, just being in college, you know, being screwed over by coaches, you know, just by their words and stuff, you know, I took that in consideration and, you know, I took in consideration a lot on how my previous, you know, recruiting, uh, you know, recruiting, uh, you know, visits and all that stuff I had to take, you know, went as well too. And just by words, you know, me personally, the words, you know, the stuff I was showing on visits, you know, that didn't really like sell me what sold me was you know God wanted me to do honestly you know I'm a I'm a Christian man I am uh, and I truly believe in that and I just let my you know my answer my decision come to me naturally to be honest. So Charles, it sounds like um, she did his homework, you know, where he wants to play his uh, last year of collegiate. Uh, football and you know we've talked to uh, Jalen Woods on the show we talked to uh, uh, Christian Zachary who's a defensive tackle coming from Liberty and uh, it seems like I'm I'm sensing hearing the same thing it's it's about how comfortable you 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 are when you meet you know the, the coaches and and you're doing your homework to see where it's the best fit it, right. it, it Rashid is that kind of Yes, sir. You could say you could say homework. You could say homework most definitely for sure. Um, that's just from homework from how many games the team has won. You know, scheme most definitely too is the big was the biggest thing mm-hmm. for me. You know, being able to see how what am I gonna get out of this scheme to where I can showcase my talents and put on film so these scouts can see what I'm able to do. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So uh, I would say that um, you know, the culture too is the biggest thing to me for a team. You know, because if if the culture is not set at a team and at a certain place, then that team is more than likely, in my opinion, not ready to win per se. And I feel like Southern has had a constant, you know, a constant history and background of, you know, not just putting people in the league, but, um, you know, you know, just having that camaraderie as a team, being able to come and one and be able to finish games out together and it's team being able to, you know, uh, lean on each other to be able to, you know, get the thing done, whether, you know, if the coaches call a bad game or not, you know, it always starts with the players is how I feel. I feel like that's why I chose to go to Southern. Interesting. And Charles, now, uh, he's going to be playing for Southern University 2023. 
<laughs> you see, I got a smile on my face. He knows of the Southwestern Athletic Conference because <laughs> Rasheed, I'm not going to get deep into this, but if they look up your bio, they're going to see that you play. And to me, and I, 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 let me give you a warning, five, four, three, two, one. I'm going to get emails. You played at an institution that, to me, is the most intense rivalry for Southern University. Now, Charles O'Grammon alums, and I'll get email from them saying, oh, no, it's not. It's, it's Grambling, but Jackson State is, is what I'm trying to say. So you, <laughs> you, have, you, 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 you have the experience of playing in this conference, so you know all about the culture is what I'm saying. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Most definitely. Yes, sir. Um, I was just talking to my uncle yesterday about this a lot more um, <laughs> about the rivalry with, you know, Southern and, and Jackson State and stuff. And I told him, like, yeah, Jackson State fans, you know, they can be, you know, they can be different. That's all I'm going to say. They can be different. <laughs> well, let me, let me jump in. I've always said this. There is a healthy passion between the two fan bases because they are, are a light. To me, it's kind of like I had a old I have an older brother and my mom's gone on to glory. But the way they interact, you would from the outside looking in, you would think that they. They didn't like each other, but that's just the way that they got along. And that is what I'm saying about Southern and Jackson State. Man, you you experienced it even uh, that that spring session, but uh, to me, it is an intense rivalry. And now you're going to be on the other side. It's going to be a good one, too. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be a good one, and uh, I'm going to be looking forward to that one most definitely. Well, really, all the games. I understand. You know, the Bayou Bayou Classic as well, but for sure, Jackson State, most definitely. Yes, sir. And and the other guy you see, Charles, uh, I'll just tell you, he – he calls uh, all of the sporting games, football, basketball, baseball, softball, from Alcorn State. So you'll 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 get to visit the the reservation uh, in, in this upcoming season. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. What talk about you? Uh, what do you know about the SWAC and the SWAC rivalry and just all of that? Talk talk a little bit about that. Well. I knew, like we was just talking about with Jackson and uh, Southern, I knew that's that was going to be a big game this year and stuff for sure because, uh, you know, um, last year, because I remember watching it myself too when uh, Southern had played Jackson in the regular season then for a championship game and then coming up this year for the 23-2023 season, it's going to be a big game. You know, everybody's going to have a chip on their shoulder. I know most definitely for myself, not just because it's my last year, but of course because I'm playing against my old school. And mm-hmm. stuff. I'm gonna just be, you know, playing for Southern now. But and you know, I've talked to you know a couple of my friends uh, that goes to Jackson as well too. They don't seem too happy about that. But you know, it is. What it is. <laughs> you know, they'll live. They'll get over. It. Yeah, <laughs> they're not too happy about that one. Out. What was that, Charles? He 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 knows how that was gonna turn out. He said he talked to a couple of them, and you, you could just tell by his tone of voice that yeah. Yeah, they weren't too 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 thrilled about it, but hey, it it it, it such is life. <laughs> yes, sir. It, it is what it is. But I mean, I would say that, and then uh, you know, the Bayou Classic for sure. Um, I've asked every single person about that. Everybody keeps saying that's just the like that's the game of the year. Like you probably never gonna play in the biggest game 
of the year besides that one. So I'm really looking forward to the Bayou Classic and just that whole experience, you know, that whole week. Yeah, it um, the culture, the the rivalries within the conference. Um, you you've got uh, just great personnel, great people. You've got uh, students. It, it, it's just to me, it's a it's a great culture. Um, before you uh, report to Southern University, you talked about you know uh, you know working out. What what is your plan? Uh, until you report to a, a Southern University? Well, I'm already down here in Baton Rouge. We uh, just finished up that first week of workouts and stuff. Oh, um, how come yeah. I didn't think? I, somehow, I, I, I apologize for that. Somehow, I I, I, I thought um, <laughs> you, you you were not there yet. But, yeah, uh, summer um, conditioning, how's it going? Oh, it was good. It was a great first week. Uh, you know, just being around the team, it being my first week here, you know I gelled in pretty well with the team, with the teammates and stuff. And uh, that's what I really like. You know, I, I don't think, you know, I really had that at my last place, I would say at Jackson per se, you know, because I had that feeling, you know, at Tech as well. But if we're just speaking on swag turns, I didn't really have that per se at Jackson, if I'm being honest. Hmm. Well, I'm sure you've met some of the uh, other, I, I know another particular defensive lineman that came uh, the route of Jackson State. Um, So it it should be a a good, uh, should be a good thing for everybody to get involved, knowing each other, working out. A lot of times that's when teams are are, are built, you know, uh, actually before the, uh, you know, the the, the summer, uh, fall camp starts. So uh, um, I I appreciate your candidness about that. Um, In in closing, what what would you like to say to uh, uh, the Jaguar Nation and the SWAC Nation? All I can really say is uh, just be ready to watch the 2023 season. You know, let's get this thing done and, you know, let's win the championship this year. Well, on that note, we appreciate the time. Uh, Welcome to uh, the Jaguar Nation. And uh, much success this 2023 uh, season. And uh, we, uh, we'll we try to talk back with you or keep up with your progress. Because once fall camp starts, it's kind of tough to, to, to talk with you guys. But um, we understand what's important. That is fall camp and getting ready for the season. But appreciate the time. Glad you're in Baton Rouge. And um, have a great rest of your weekend. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate y'all, appreciate y'all having me on. All right, thank you. Rasheed Lyles, a defensive tackle now at Southern University. He says six two three oh two, but boy, I'm telling you, Charles, he he carries it well. I would have said like two ninety, but hey, nah, a lot of people say I don't look three hundred pounds. I got <laughs> well, by judging by the, the footage I saw, um, they will they will know that you're all of that. Yeah, so. I just put that on too when I was uh, at Tech when we had got our new staff. You know, mm-hmm. they took you know nutrition and uh, you know take care of our joints and just everything. You know, pretty, pretty like they they took it pretty took it pretty major majorly. I would say, um, you know, just the eating right. Um, you know, taking your supplements, all that they fed us and all that, and I wound up putting on like thirty five plus pounds of muscle, just muscle. Wow. Yes, see, see, when you're me and Charles' age, 
we, we'll put on weight, but it's not muscle. So enjoy, <laughs> enjoy, enjoy yourself. Now it's good to be young. It really is. Um, that's going to do it for today's show. Three minutes after one. I want to thank, uh, Roy Evans, um, who's also a big Miami heat fan, uh, for producing today's show. All of our guests, Maurice Hurst, Rasheed Lyles, Jalen Woods, Charles Edmund and coach Van Petaway. Until next Saturday at 11 a.m. for another edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Until next time, as always, peace and God bless. And boy, hear that chant.